Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Included in this book are highlights and notes in the margin. This is the Notable Podcast, and these are the discussions of twin pastors who share their underlining and highlighting with you. This is Season 7, Life Reframed, a podcast on Ecclesiastes. Good evening, Jonathan. Here we are on a Tuesday night. What's going on? Messing everybody up. I hope we don't mess up everybody too badly, but we were trying to be sensitive to everybody's holiday travels here for Thanksgiving. Hopefully it's helpful. Exactly. So if if you happen to be traveling on Wednesday night or even have church too, I know some churches have church on Wednesday nights. Here we are on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. And and tonight we just have a really a hard-hitting topic. And I don't know, God's word, Jonathan, is always relevant. <laughs> I know you believe that too. But the topic that we have tonight is is so, so relevant. We're going to look at Solomon's teaching on injustice. And the reason why we're doing that now is if, you, if you've been tracking along with us throughout this, this season seven, we're covering the book of Ecclesiastes the best that we can. We really went a little bit at a time through the kind of the first cycle of the book. And um, we, we did a really good job covering those verses. And then we looked at the forest for the trees last time. And we said, what we're going to do from here on out is take different topics. And, and so tonight, we're going to take uh, injustice as our topic. And it is super, super relevant. And I know, Jonathan, you wanted to say just a couple um, caveats before we get started in. Or did you the want me to say? Is, hit subscribe. You know, here on YouTube, on your favorite um, podcast platform, you can donate to us at thenotablepodcast.com. Review and, us on uh, Apple Podcasts to hook us up a little bit with a little bit of love. We are working hard to share, you know, good biblical teaching and reflection with you in this podcast. But yeah, I, I did want to set this up just just a little bit. Um, this this is not a hot take. This is not us. Um, trying to read anything in a certain way. What you have here are two men of God who are doing their best to just to read a biblical text. Um, there's a lot of people right now who do want to do hot takes, who are in it to be provocative, to move people in a certain direction. Neither one of us have any, any kind of agenda in that regard. We just want to be shaped by the word of God here. And um, our, our plea, and it's really just a humble plea, is just come along on that journey with us and um, do your best to give us a lot of grace as we talk about um, a topic that it's, it's not on the nose. That's not what it is, but it is, you and I were talking about this when we preached on it. It's, it's a little bit of a discovery. It shouldn't be, but it's a little bit of a discovery that here in Ecclesiastes, 
we have arguably the most extended and um, nuanced discussion of how to respond to injustice that you find anywhere in Holy Scripture. And it's for that reason that um, we're going to touch on a lot of stuff and um, some of it may hurt, some of it may sting, some of it may be a redirection, some of it may be an affirmation for us, but we're just receiving it just like everybody else. Yeah, I, I, and I'll say this, one, there's a helpful book written by a professor from the University of Virginia, and he wrote from really a sociological perspective. It, it's, a, it's a book called To Change the World, and what he noticed is that almost all public discourse today is almost immediately judged based on um, political polarization today. And what we're saying today is take off the political glasses for a minute because we want to just live in, in Solomon's world. And, you know, don't try to guess. Really, like, we're not coming at this politically at all. We're coming at this biblically. We're coming at it guided by the Holy Spirit, prayerfully, and with a heart full of the gospel. So I guess with that said, let's let's get into Solomon's teaching of injustice. We're going to look at this in, in three parts. And I guess I'll say this too, that if there's any clear, un, like if something is said that's unclear to you, or if you want to weigh in with questions or comments, I am tracking along here on the live chat uh, and and we'll be looking at that all night so um thank you for sticking with us we're going to look at this in three parts we're first we're going to just notice this that solomon's a deeply sensitive man and he is specifically sensitive to injustice in the world what we're going to show you that to you um and you'll leave without a doubt knowing that we're also going to show you the causes of injustice that solomon names some of them are absolutely, they shouldn't be shocking, he'll say, but they are absolutely shocking in some ways. And then we're going to wrap up by a believer's response to, to all of this injustice that, that Solomon sees. Do you, Jonathan, take us into the first one. Um, Solomon is seeing injustice. He's a deeply sensitive man. Show, it, show that to us in the scriptures, especially so in his book in, in Ecclesiastes. So we, what we're going to, the first verse that we want to take a look at here is Ecclesiastes chapter three. And we set that up for you last time. We, we said this is a, the chapter begins with the sovereignty of God. God has this big, beautiful plan. We talked about that. And what we said then is Solomon begins to address some of the objections. Okay, God, you have this big, beautiful plan, but, and so we have, uh, and you and you have a really interesting. If you look at verse fifteen, um, it's it's a little bit obscure, um, but you it, let me just read verse fifteen. Reflect on it just for a second. Whatever is, has already been, and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. And so you have this idea that God is going to somehow bring the past into the present and deal with it like god god has the ability to do that and we're going to unpack that more in a in a future episode but for right now you solomon has introduced the idea that there are things that can happen 
that God is going to have to deal with. <laughs> and um, that brings us to verse 16. And let's just read this really sensitively and poetically the way it's intended. He writes this, and I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. Uh, you, you know, just a couple comments there, just on, on the way he structures this, it is, it's highly poetic. You can see there's a um, parallelism um, in his thought there, um, so that he's really doubling this up. And you can also notice that he doesn't fill out um, the thoughts. He sees something else. <laughs> you know? This is very provocative language. Um, it, it, uh, it, he, it's almost like he unleashes your imagination. I saw something else. Well, what was it? You know, we're left to wonder. Um, he gives us just a little bit more on that. Um, and, he, and he says, in the place of judgment, in the place of justice, uh, wickedness, in, in the very place where it was supposed to be safest, in the very place where you expect um, correctness, righteousness, um, goodness, um, is the exact opposite. And it's stirring. It's stirring. It, it, it certainly is. I'll just notice this too. He, whenever you see biblical repetition, there's an intensity there. And what you have here, and Solomon actually doesn't do this much in his book. He doesn't repeat the same thing twice. So here he is, he's, he's in the beginning of this new cycle in his book. And he says it twice in the place of judgment, in the place of justice. And he, and it, this, this wickedness that he names is, is happening exactly in the wrong place. So the only way that I can explain this, like right where there's supposed to be justice, there's wickedness. Like, like it's, it's never okay that there would be injustice, but at least it shouldn't happen in the courthouse, at least there. Or like you go to the police for safety and, you, and what you find is violence. Or you go to church and you think you're going to hear about the forgiveness of sins and all you hear about is acceptance of sin, which is the exact opposite thing. So it's, this is, he is deeply moved by what's going on here. And this is, this, there's an intensity here and he's going to stay with this topic for for quite a while. I mean, if if this is going to be his longest treatment of injustice in the book, I mean, look at this. This is there's this is a long. If it it goes all the way into chapter four, so he is. We're just trying to get some momentum around this fact that he really does care about this whatever it is that that he saw. He's deeply moved by it. You, did yeah. you want to add anything onto that, Jonathan? Yes, because on the notice two things. Not we're doing two things here, not one. The first thing we're doing is we're trying to follow Solomon as a model to experience and see the world like Solomon sees it. So we want to see it with Solomonic eyes. But at the same time, um, we're inviting you to see how Solomon is provoking our own hearts. Like he he does he doesn't allow us to read this and just be like, so what. You know, it, this isn't a kindergarten, like it's a bunch of five-year-olds, there was a fight, you know, 
well, that's that's a bummer or um, <laughs> bummer <laughs> or, or, or whatever. This is like the very place. This is the very heart of it. I, so I experienced this the other day. I went just to just to, you know, name something out loud. When when so, I saw something that that made me think of something and it, uh, hopefully it makes our, our listeners think of something, too. I, I caught an article. I just I was um, grabbed. Uh, I was reading the paper and just leafing through it. I'm old school. Hate me for it. Whatever. I get a paper. <laughs> I get a real paper. At any rate, I'm leafing through it and I see a picture. And the image, it was an image that that just grabbed me. I didn't, I, we see, we all see, we're all inundated by images. But this was an image that actually made me stop. It was a, it was an older gentleman um, in an African country, um, and he was sitting there in a in a courtroom. And it, there was something about his posture that drew me in. It was he was he was defeated. He was he was shocked. He was he was saddened, and. The photographer, it was a brilliant um, photo. Uh, the photographer had just um, captured it so that his finger was kind of like this. So it looked like um, he was pointing to me. And uh, anyway, that's when I actually read the article. And it turns out it was a guy that I knew. Um, it was a, his name's Paul Rasusa Bagina. And um, many, many people might know him. Um, he was, he was, um, sort of mythologized for me in my youth from a movie called Hotel Rwanda. So this is the guy who had um, stopped the genocide there. And at any rate, he was unjustly convicted because he was standing up for human rights again um, in, his, in his home country there. And he was sentenced unjustly to 25 years in prison. The guy's 67. And so, you know, I, I imagine it's very possible that 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 this man could die in prison and it, it's that kind of thing like right there in the place of judgment and and justice where things are, are supposed to go right paul rasusa gets an unjust ver verdict because he's 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 going against the president in his country and, and he doesn't like the politics of it yeah it's, there's no doubt about it that that Solomon's deeply pained. By the way, we'll come back to some of these passages again as we work through this podcast. He's his heart is moved, but I just for now, if we if we just move on a little bit and and go a little bit deeper into Solomon's meditation on injustice, this is this is be the beginning of chapter four, and you can just see how moved he is by the whole thing. Again, I looked. And saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they had and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. So again, this is a, this is a double, it's a double whammy again. He's a, this is he's deeply moved, and I declared that the dead. Listen, this is. This is about as dark as Solomon gets in the whole book. And I declare that the dead who had already died are happier than the living, who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. This, he's devastated. He is, he's absolutely devastated for the oppressed and even for himself. Like he, he doesn't, 
just to have to be a witness to the evil and the sin and the wickedness in the world. This is a sensitive heart. Um, Voltaire said that um, he, he made a similar comment. He said, I, I wish I had never been born. And when you start to meditate on this stuff and you really stay in it, this, this is troubling. It, it troubles someone who's deeply sensitive soul. He, 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 he the, the language here, I just want to spend some time thinking about it. He, he, first of all, he said, I saw the tears of the oppressed. I mean, who do you see when you, who do you see? It's, it's an amazing, then he says, they have no comforter. You say, oh, that's too much. He went too far. Did he really? Did he? Power was on the side of the oppressors. They have no comforter. It's not going to be put right. And he, he went too far. Did he? Have, are things really being put right completely? He's, he's so upset by this. And that's the, that, that in the very next verse, then, he has, he's got three tiers. He got, he's got three tiers of people. He's got dead people, he's got living people, and he's got um, people who never were born, <laughs> people who <laughs> never were alive. So he's got three tiers of people. And he says that the living people have it the worst. <laughs> and then he says dead people have a little bit better. And then he says people who are never born at all, they've got it, they've got it the best. This, it's very provocative. This is dark. <laughs> this is... This is this it's is very really provocative. What he, if you think about it, what he does is he's turned the world upside down. He's he's totally subverted our expectations. He's also at the same time he's doing that, protesting life as we know it as vigorously as possible. So we're I, I, we're going to talk about this later. Um, but basically, what he's doing is he's saying, "I'm quitting the outrage cycle. I'm I'm out." I am, I'm not playing this game anymore. I am so sad. I am so upset. I so protest all of this stuff that I wish I had never seen any of it. It'd be yeah. better if we didn't. It's, this, it's this, the most vigorous protest possible. I'm opting so out. I keep interrupting you. <laughs> and I keep going. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, this is what we would call a biblical lament that and he he's not yet leading us to hope. The, he, he's, he's actually quite hopeless and really for good reason. Uh, you know, it, as soon as reform comes and this is the way that power functions, we know that power functions this way, the more power the reformers have, the more the reformers start to oppress those who used to be in power so it anytime that that the, the 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 balance of power is pushed the other way oppression starts happening the other way and it's just this big cycle that solomon is envisioning and he and he's saying that there's no comfort here that we only god's advent which he hasn't gone there yet is is going to make this um potentially and well will make it right one day before we move on and just talk about application i'll just say this that of all of the themes in the book of ecclesiastes this is one of the most 
uh, extensive ones. So we're going to look at just tonight, we're going to look at one massive section here, beginning at Ecclesiastes chapter three. We're going to look at a shorter section from Ecclesiastes five. We'll look at Ecclesiastes chapter eight and also Ecclesiastes chapter nine. So this is, this is a big, massive theme that Solomon really, really cares about. And um, I, I, I just want to pause here. That's kind of the end of part one, but just to reflect on, on sensitive Solomon for, for just a moment and, and just say this. The, the first thing I'll say is he's, he says this, I saw something else under the sun. And I want you to realize what he's saying when, when he says that. He, he didn't have the media that we have today where you could, you could watch a video of it or, you know, read about it online. Or for you, Jonathan, you would read about it the next day because it's printed. You know, it's Solomon didn't have this kind of media. So we're led to believe that whatever injustice he saw, he actually saw it with his own eyes, which is a totally different experience than watching a video of it. And I think it's really important to just say that out loud, that if we've seen a video of something, it, that's a different experience. And I don't think anyone would disagree with me than actually seeing it with your own eyes, actually being a witness of it. I, what some, some of the work on my doctoral um, thesis work revolved around this very point that I worked on trauma and you cannot actually be traumatized by watching a video, not in the narrow definition of the term. So like if we want to go to Wisconsin, ever, people are thinking about Wisconsin these days and what happened there. You can't, I imagine that if you're watching that car bearing down on you, that that would be a terrifying and traumatizing experience. But if you're watching it on camera, that can't, that can't traumatize you. So I'm trying to suss out a little bit of the difference between um, consuming media, which keeps us just far enough away where we can do nothing about it um, and actually being involved in, in, in um, witnessing the way Solomon did injustice and how that really is, is a very different thing. So the, the ch we have a further challenge these days in responding to injustice when it's actually very far away. And that's not something we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to be talking about with Solomon and be concerned about things that we see with our own eyes. Is that fair? We're you were encouraging yeah. that. You know, it it's what we're going to go on to say also applies to the injustices that are mediated to us or that we know through various types of media. Um, and the principles are going to apply. But what we're chiefly concerned with is being a neighbor to the people who are actually neighbors to. And in some future podcast, I'd love to develop a theology of, of neighbor that's a little bit more nuanced than everybody in the world is your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself is going to have very specific applications in all of our lives. Um, 
because we're actually neighbors to, to the people that we can see and that we can touch and that we're not mediated to, that we're actually humans to. So in, in Solomon, so on the one hand, if we're going to follow Solomon's model, he is going to see things. He's going to see things. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, I got a report, you know, I got a report of what was going down in Queen Sheba's kingdom or something like that. He says, I saw it. And um, if we're not seeing things other than th things that are mediated to us, um, may maybe we need to get out there and listen to people a little bit more. Because I promise you, once you start listening to people's stories and they open up their hearts to you, you'll hear about it and you'll see it for yourself. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is where we really wanted to go with this section of the podcast. Just in, invite, we want to be invited with Solomon to, to see, to witness, and, and to, to feel the pain of be, really to become, I like the word, compassionate witness to those who are undergoing oppression, to use, to use Solomon words, words, to have the, the heart of Jesus. And, and if you're sitting there tonight thinking, um, well, I don't really see that much injustice in the world you got to ask yourself the que this question then is it because you're complacent is it because because you've become used to sin in the world is it or is it because you have your heart is called to others and to to see again the heart of your savior who who cared about the poor in, in fact so much we're going to hear the song of mary in just a couple of weeks that he said that he's going to flip everything on its head. Uh, he, he does care about this kind of thing. So to, to become compa compassionate witnesses, that this is a deep call to do that here. It is. And, and your comments cut me to the heart. Like, and I'm sure it cut other people to the heart too. And that's uh -oh. part of what happens here. There's, 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 this is good for us to think about this. And if there's things to repent of, that's, that's a good thing for us to do. I want to just add your comments like this, that a compassionate witness, this is very different than say, um, I, I, these are my terms and hopefully they communicate, but I call it performative rage and performative sing signaling. And what I mean by that is when somebody's hurting, there's been an injustice, um, it's, it's, I, I would never question anybody's motives. I, 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 I try not to at least, <laughs> and I correct myself when I do, but it's one thing to, when something terrible happens to go on a, a piece of media and, and sit wherever your media outlet is and say, I'm praying for these people. It's quite another to actually go pray with those people. And I'm talking about the latter. We're talking about the latter. Um, it's one thing to say, I'm so sad about this event. It's another to actually go weep with the people who got hurt. And it's the latter that, that we're caring about. It's being real, real people to real victims um, and witnessing their pain and loving them and hearing them in their pain. This is very, in fact, not to, not to push on this too hard, but I think all of us have to be very careful about how we mediate ourselves because if we 
we, we can be using a victim's pain and grief for our own purposes. And that is just victimizing the victim again. If we're using, um, there's some tragedy in the world and I wanna look like a good pastor, we wanna look like a good church, we'll just post a prayer out there. And, oh man, how can we love people and witness them as true neighbors to them? That's, that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're urging here, encouraging here. Or at least having a heart for it to like begin that conversation in your own heart that to, to open up our eyes and to see the tears. Yeah. Let's, um, let's go into our second part. I think, I think it's, it's good to do that and just look at the causes. So we saw Solomon's sensitive heart to injustice. And, and now we want to, we want to look at the causes of injustice. And the, the first one that I want to look at is really the times and seasons. So something God's plan, God's plan can sometimes seem in Solomon's eyes to be very unfair, to be unjust. And look, we could, we could read this great poem. I think it's a little long, but the, the, the big point of the poem, or one of the big points at least, it's really hard to boil down. We probably shouldn't do that. Uh, that, it would, that would kind of be like um, Don't do taking it. <laughs> a cup of coffee and then leaving the stain at the bottom of the cup to, to quote Fred Craddock. So maybe one of the points would be that God has built great frustration in our lives by the times and seasons. So in one moment, you find yourself doing one thing and you're absolutely convinced in your heart it's the right thing to do. And in the next, you're doing its exact opposite. And again, in that moment, you're absolutely convinced that's what you're supposed to do. So sometimes you're weeping and sometimes you're laughing and, and that's kind of how life goes. It's, and it's very unfair. It just, it just rolls you over. And Solomon's got a further meditation on that here um, in Ecclesiastes chapter nine. And this one, I want to build out just a little bit more. Do you want to read it for us, Jonathan? Just Ecclesiastes. This is so um, breathtaking. I think the, the whole section is worth looking at. He says, so I conclude, reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. Are you reading Ecclesiastes 9, 11, 18? I got the wrong verses. Yeah, let me read it then. <laughs> let me read it. So this is, this is about the times and seasons. So I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift. This is very unfair, by the way or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time, there it is, times and seasons, time and chance happen to them all. So a lot of people think, well, I got rich because of what I did. And Simon's like, don't be so sure. You know, you were born in a certain place at a certain time to certain people. And, and, Things happen to you, and so now you're rich. Uh, and that's fair and fair, by the way. It, if you would have been born somewhere very far away from New York City or what, wherever, 
the big money is to be made. You have no chance of that happening. So it's very unfair, he says. And then he continues, moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly again uh, um, upon them. So he's he's basically saying, um, look, times and seasons happen to, to people. And that, that's this is this is a deep cause in people's lives. Uh, and then he continues reflecting on, on this injustice. And this is where things get really interesting. He's got a little bit of a kind of a scenario, a scene. So he says, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. Again, this is very unfair what happens. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. <laughs> now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. Here's, this is so unfair now. But nobody remembered that poor man. <laughs> so the poor nameless man saves the whole city, and everybody forgot. So I said, wisdom is better than strength but the poor man's wisdom is despised. So he, he's saying the, one of the most unfair thing in the world is that the wise are not listened to. His, his words are no longer heeded. And this is where he compares what I'm going to call, um, what others have called too, the loud mouth and um, the soldier. So he, the quiet words are, of the wise are more to be heeded. So we should be listening to the quiet person the wise person but look at who people are listening to the shouts of the ruler of fools so like everybody's listening to the loud mouth but, but there's if you would just get quiet and listen to the wise people things would be better this is so unfair and then wisdom is better than weapons of war but we so we got we also have the soldier the vi people who, who who are bringing violence everybody's paying attention to them but they're really just destroying everything. This is very unfair. <laughs> and he's making this observation. So it, the, the, big, the big point here is that one of the causes of injustice is, frankly, God's plan. How's that for dropping a truth bomb? Times and seasons happen to us because of God's plan. You're just as provocative as the Lord is in this text. I, I'm trying to be. Yeah, I'm trying to be. Did you did you want to weigh in on it a little bit, or did I get? That I was right? going to let that. I was going to let that stand, and then drop another truth bomb with Solomon because he's okay. got another one. Yeah, go ahead. He's very provocative in here as he deals with these causes. He's very provocative. He's, that's that's our word of the night here. So. This is this is the next thing. The next, what what are the causes of this injustice? What are the root causes? Um, I'm in chapter three of um, Ecclesiastes, and I'm in verse eighteen, and I'm going to read here just two verses. He says, "And I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals." <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. 
all have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. Uh, wow. I mean, wow. Now, now, before I go any further, I, I do want to bring some clarity to uh, what, what he said. Uh, he, he does make a comparison here. He says that we are like the animals. Now, he doesn't say we are animals. He's not trying to totally erase the differences between um, animals and humans. Animals are, are, are nerves and, and their instincts. They are not morally accountable. We are, um, rest assured, Solomon doesn't view us um, as a part of the animal kingdom. We are, we are image bearers through faith in Jesus. He's not trying to deny any of that stuff. Um, he doesn't, so he, just to clarify, he doesn't say we are animals. <laughs> he says we're like animals. And God is testing us through these injustices. God is testing us so that we'll get it, so that we'll see it. In other words, what he's saying, this is not, this is not um, a, a zoological comment. It's a theological comment. And it's an, it's an utter indictment of humanity. That's what it is. It's an utter indictment of humanity. We're in some ways, like we, we could go further than Solomon. We probably shouldn't, but we could like, what other, if we're comparing ourselves with, with animals for a second, what other animal um, kills itself, you know, human or steals from each other? Like human beings are so violent and so sinful that we got to lock our doors and watch our backs and um, install security systems and put up blockades around parades. And these are the things that we have to do. We, we are a wicked violent race and there's just no way of getting around that and solomon solomon wants us to know that like this is this is the cause this is this is one of the causes of injustice in the world it's hard we, it's it's really hard to think about like just just to go into the animal kingdom for a second like have we ever been cats to other people and this is where I get in trouble with all the cat lovers out there. I'm really sorry, cat lovers. But every cat I've ever met has felt superior to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so cats, we can be like cats. We can be like coyotes, steel. Uh, we can be like a bull in a china shop. Um, we, can, we can make these animals. We're like animals. You know, pigs, we roll in the mud. Um, when it comes to this stuff, uh, we eviscerate, hurt, and kill to get what we want, uh, as if it's only about survival or, or something like that. It's um, it's a massive indictment, and it's one we really need to take to heart. And it's in fact one of the reasons why God al allows these things to happen is to test us. So, our, our, think of think of think of how that changes our response. To, I'm getting ahead of myself, but. We prove, yeah, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. It's huge. We, we, we prove ourselves sinners all the time. We should keep going because uh, there's the indictment grows. Like, so we, we've seen two cause the, the times and seasons 
cause unfairness. Human beings, like our just being sinners, we we are the cause of injustice. And the injustice then, because we are human beings, is found in the institutions, in the institutions that human beings create. So now we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 8, 9. Do you actually have that one, Jonathan, or should I read that one? You got it? I do have it. Do you want me to read it? So it says this, if you see the poor in a district and justice and rights denied, so I'm right here on your screens, do not be surprised at such things, for one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others still. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. So like the political systems, the, 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 the politicians, you might say, um, participate in the injustice. And it gets even worse um, and even more shocking. This is from Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And I want to just go in um, to verse 10, verse 10 here where it says this, then too, here it is, I saw the wicked buried, those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this. This too is meaningless. And there's a couple significant words in there that I just want you to notice, that the wicked got a burial, first of all, and also that they would go to the holy place. Look at that. So they, they felt safe to go to church. They, they felt like they could be there and continue on in their, in their wickedness. And so the church is indicted here. The holy place, the, the, there's, it turns out there's sinners in there too. And um, also, also the culture, the whole culture is indicted. So they, this is a guy who received praise in the city. So like... <laughs> We're, we're just ramping up like the guy, the guy dies. Everybody's he gets, involved. He gets a burial. Um, he used to go to church to the holy place. And the city's like, this was a really good guy, but he was actually utterly wicked. So, I mean, there, there's a lot to reflect on in there. One thing that it makes me think is we should never be so sure that, you know, if we're if we're in a crowd that we're actually doing something righteous. Because maybe we're not. So everybody's indicted here. None of us are left out. And so I I think we should just say this and then move on into our final part, Jonathan, that each one of us, this this is a call to repentance and confession, that each one of us needs to think about where we are in life and who we are and just see um, how have we participated in injustice and so this goes now we're going beyond becoming a compassionate witness it pinch yourself and see luther would say are you a sinner well then you've committed injustice in your life you've hurt somebody you've done something unfair and we we have to see we have to see um where that would be if we're gonna have any hope of correcting these things do we need to say more about that, Jonathan? I don't think so. All right, we'll take us in the last part. Then we wanted to see the uh, the believers' response of 
Well, let's. What is the believer's response to all this? I know Solomon gives us some stuff. Where do you want to start with this one? Well, we should start in three verse seventeen because here you have knit together this this really incredible nuanced um, approach, and we already shared one of his counsels to his own heart. Solomon sees this injustice in the place of judgment, wickedness was there, and he's now reflecting on it. And and what he does. In, in verse 17 is, I'll read the whole verse and then begin making some comments about it. He said, I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. So the first, I want let's just notice something. The first thing that Solomon does when it comes to dealing with injustice that he saw is he talks to himself. This is his first response. He, uh, and this is a, this is a really important move in the scriptures. We see this in the Psalms. We see this in other places. That the things, our self-talk, our self-dialogue, the way that we direct our thoughts after we've witnessed something that is that is difficult, maybe uh, perhaps traumatic, um, it in images that ingrain themselves on us. Those are incredibly powerful narratives and, and stories and images that embed our, themselves on our imagination. And we have to minister to that. And Solomon shows us we have to minister to that. And the way that we do it is with clear doctrine. So Solomon tell, immediately tells a story. And he, what he does is he takes, he takes what he saw and he finishes the story. This is very important. Um, he says, it's not going to, this isn't the end of the story. See, this is, it's not, it's not like it's just going to be out there. And so what we needed was we need a rage and we need to fix it. Oh no, God is going to fix it. God is going to fix it. So the very first word, very first word is God. I have a whole lot more to say about it, but I want to let you jump in. Well, I think that's right. I We're saying, well, actually Solomon's saying is the first response to injustice after becoming that witness of it would be that you would turn to god it's it this is the response of faith that you would turn your eyes upward and and solomon does that he does that here and by the way he he in this is in chapter in here in chapter eight he's really troubled again by injustice look at what he does so we have this guy, he's getting this Christian burial, the church participates in the injustice, actually the whole culture does, and then he says, when the sentence for the crime is not carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to go wrong, so injustice is perpetuated then, although a wicked person commits a hundred crimes and will live a long time, I know that it will go better for those who fear God, who are revered before him, and th- look at what he does now. The, the, his first turn in the book is always this yet because the wicked do not fear god it will not go well with them and their days will not lengthen like a shadow now i realize there's a lot of different ways to interpret that phrase but the way that i interpret it, and i think it's faithful would be to say that these guys are, are not they're they're not going to get to eternity not with god so right away, his first his his first turn is God. I know you're just. 
things can go utterly wrong in this sinful and broken world, but God, I know you're just. That's what he says in his heart. So he does it, he does it at least twice in the book. This is his turn that he makes. I wanna I wanna push on that just for a second and, and sort of draw out what Solomon does here um, by offering up a contrast. That when I was meditating on Solomon's words, I realized that there's really three options when it comes to dealing with our outrage and provocation and hurt when it comes to injustice that which we witness or that which we experience in our own lives. We can either push it in, we can push it out, or we can push it up. I've never heard you say that before. (laughs) I'm just, it's just a meditation. So if you push it in, this is, if you push it in, you're going to litigate, what you end up doing is you litigate it in your own heart. In other words, you end up, you, you and th- we have we have a sort of sick fun doing this sometimes, where we play judge Judy in our own heart, and it's really fun because we get to play judge, jury, and executioner in our own heart. We take the injustice, we play it in our imagination over and over. This is what I would say if I if I if I could punch this person or do this verbally or whatever, and. We just and then it's like a it's like a tape on 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 a, on, on constant replay in our minds and in our hearts. So we can we we will litigate it in here. So you push it in. The other way you can do it is you can push it out. If you're pushing out your provocation outrage, this is where everybody you meet. Did you hear this happen to me or did you hear about this? And you're just pushing. In other words, you are you are pushing the outrage sideways. Um, you're, you're gonna you're gonna go on Twitter and rage. You're gonna go on Facebook. You're gonna rage. You're gonna make sure the whole world is stirred up by by everything that happened. And so th- those are two two options. You can litigate it internally. You can litigate it externally tr- to try to get whatever justice you think you deserve or can get in the moment. Or you can push it up. And you, in, in other words, what you do is you really let God litigate it and um this is what solomon does and that's the move to make that that's um, his first move yeah that's his first move if you push it out you're going to burn the world down you push it in you're going to burn yourself down you push it up god's got it and you can right. heal and other people can too yeah i think i think we didn't say this out loud before but he one thing he did, Solomon did talk about that connects with what you just said is in, in Ecclesiastes chapter five here, he he's not advocating for um, revolution here or like let's let's fix the system or something like that. He's troubled by it, but he actually thinks that having some kind of system, is better than anarchy. So he's like, we're going to work with this the best that we can. And it is flawed. And there's wrong things that are happening. But we're going to leave that to God because it's better than anarchy. So his his faith is really the first move that he's always making. In This is a really quick line from the poet William Blake, just to encourage everybody. He said this, 
Think not thou canst sigh a sigh, and thy maker is not by. We can push it up. And we're called to here. One, one other note before we move on from Ecclesiastes 5, where he talks about the, this is uh, verse 14, uh, the righteous who get what the, the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. Can you think of anyone like that? <laughs> Does, doesn't that sound like a direct quote from Romans <laughs> God made him who had no sin to be sin for others yeah so that in him we might right? become the righteousness of God like yeah. the, the most unfair thing this is so such a hopeful thought actually the most unfair thing that ever happened was that Jesus died for the sins of the world and that because of that death, we received the most unfair thing in the world, which is that we received his own righteousness, eternal life, and the gift of God. So that, that's all to say that God took the deepest injustice and he turned it on his head. He made it right. And I, I, I want to push on this just a little bit further, because I, I do think sometimes Christians have some unclarities about this. That there, look, there will be justice. Some, the, the gospel doesn't say there's never going to be any justice. It doesn't say that. It says there is justice in the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid and satisfied um, the penalty for our sin, for our the injustices that we've brought into the world. So the, the, the gospel isn't that there isn't ever any justice um, for victims, is that Jesus became um, the, the victim for, for all the times we victimized people. That's, that's the gospel. And to push it even further, it, it says in the creeds that Jesus is going to come again. Why? To judge the living and the dead. He is, he is going, this is why the New Testament says the same thing, that, that it, it, the, the Lord says, it's, it's mine to repay. Like, push it up, because we know that God is just. God, God is right. Any sin that uh, through faith um, isn't taken care of in the cross of Jesus will receive its justice. It's going to receive its justice. This is, this is the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and we can trust you. that. Yeah, we can. We, deeply, deeply. There's there's two more responses of faith that we wanted to cover. One, I think we can cover really quickly. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Solomon says this, If you see the poor oppressed in a district and rights injustice and rights denied, he says, do not be surprised at such things. So our first move is to trust in God that, that he, he will be just. The second move as a Christian is not to be shaken by these things. We don't have to be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. And, and if we are shaken, if we're absolutely shocked by what we see in the world, then we've had a wrong, we've had a wrong um, anthropology this whole time. We've had a wrong belief about who human beings are, and, and that needs to get blown up anyhow. Solomon's like, don't, you, 
take this all in with a calm heart. It's not right what happened, but don't be shocked by it. Don't be shocked by it. This is the way human beings are. So um, he's not going to offer any utopian schemes. He's not going to say one day we can get there. <laughs> like a bunch of sinners are going to, we're going to get there and all the injustices are going to be correct. He doesn't see that happening without God's intervention. Anyway, don't be surprised. Keep a calm heart about these things. I don't know if you yeah. wanted to say more about that. Well, I think this is really important. I, Christians, we uh, like, we, we've been saved by the blood of Jesus. His, his justice there at the cross is our justice. We are just justified people. So I want to say that. And what I, what the call, I think the call here, one of the calls that comes out of these reflection on these verses is, is let's get out of the outrage cycle. Like, I have these conversations quite regularly. And I'm always happy to have them, by the way. I never get tired of them. But the conversation is, Pastor, why aren't you more upset about this? I, you, you know, people will say, I can't, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe those people have done that. And um, in, in relationships, when I, when I have trusted pastoral relationships with people, my comment to them will, will be, why not? Why not? They're sinners. This is, it's, and it's, again, like, it's like you said, Timothy, this isn't, it's not meant to be flippant, but we shouldn't be surprised. Christians should be the least surprised people in the world when it comes to stuff. Oh, somebody did that. Yeah, that's who they are. It's bad. It's really bad. One, one thing to just notice about Solomon is he, he's not, he never turns to outrage. He's deeply grieved. He turns to lamentation, but he does not move into yeah. shock he this is not the spiritual response that that he has in fact one could argue and this is the, this is really the third response of faith then is that he's actually he's actually moved in a certain sense into joy so um and and i can show it to you based on his longest in, in meditation on injustice so here's Here's how he ends that first meditation on injustice. He, he says, so I saw there is nothing better. So this is kind of, this is the whole carpe diem thing. Like, and he, by the way, he does this twice with injustice. He sees it in the world. He, he laments it. He believes in God's justice. He's, he, he refuses to be shocked by it. And then he says, you know what? That is that I'm going to leave that to God the very best that I can do. And this, so I saw there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work. That, I mean, that just kind of jumps out at me. He doesn't want anyone to become angry or bitter or envious or um, he, he's what he sees is people leaving this to God and moving into enjoying what they do. By the way, it, it not, it's the NIV kind of, uh, leads you to believe that it's like your job but it's what you do like th their work the things that you that your hands are are participating in every day so he says that you're going to want to enjoy that because that's your lot and and by the way you don't know even if you did something good now you don't know if it's going to last so um you know these these cycles of of injustice it, it it's just always there so what he wants you to do is 
is to move into joyfully um, your vocations, your vocations, you could say it that way. Did I say that well, Jonathan? I love it. I, I can't believe it. We, we could say so much more about so it, much. but I, yeah. I, I think you laid it down, you know, when you see an injustice, have, an, have a heart that sees it like Christ does realize that there's causes. And one of the big causes that we can all take to heart is this is who we are as humans. We are like beasts. And that can put us in a repentant place. We need to take all of our sins to the judgment seat of Jesus, realize that the judge was judged for us, receive his blood, and head back out into life. And that's what, that's what you do. We do what we can do. Um, we, we don't, we're not called to change the world. Jesus did that. We are called to do our very best and love, love people and enjoy it. Doing the very maybe, best that we can. Maybe we can end in this way and, and just say, Solomon's in the world of comparison language. So I saw there's nothing better. And so the challenge is kind of out there and I'd lay it down. Is there a better way? Solomon doesn't think so. He, he, he doesn't see a better way. He, if you can see, I I said this kind of flippantly to to my church job that I said, if, if you know a better way to deal with injustice than Solomon, you should write a book of the Bible. (laughs) That sounds, that sounds really hard, but Solomon doesn't see a better way. He, by the way, he's next to Jesus, the wisest person ever lived. He, what he sees is faith. He sees repentance and he sees enjoyment of the good that we can do, the work that we can do as the proper response to injustice. And I think we've about to join us next week. Yeah. We got, we got, we're going to tee up, we're going to tee up money and affluence. And it's going to be another great topic. And investments, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please join us. Happy Happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Notable Podcast. You can check out our other seasons on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are enjoying this ministry and are so moved to support it, please visit us at www.thenotablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.